And uh, Simon's got one more thing to bring to us just uh, before we eat together, which is what Jesus did a lot of. Hooray. But at this moment, we're just going to stop. I wonder what one thing you're taking from today, from this morning. Your brain's probably frying itself, but what one thing are you holding to? What one thing did God strike you with? Maybe it was when Chris or Katie or Simon was speaking. For me, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm not sure Jesus is quite the center of my life yet. Not quite sure I'm responding to his challenge enough. I'm not even sure that I'm living like he is. In fact, I'm quite certain I'm not. And as I hear this stuff again, as I think of it through, I feel the challenge in my own life, let alone us as a whole church body. And so why don't we uh, stand if you'd like to, but I'm not going to tell you what to do because Simon told us I wasn't allowed to. But you can stand, you can sit, and we're going to sing Jesus Be the Center. You see, these words are really powerful. Do you really mean that? Are you going to put Jesus at the center of your life? Are you going to do that every morning? Are you going to do that at every moment? When you start doing that, something happens. And what would happen if we started putting Jesus right at the center of our church? We say it again and again. What happens if we make a new commitment to do that? Let's use these words as we kind of think of all that we have learnt, and as we say, Jesus, be the centre of my life, be the centre of my community, be the centre of who we are together. Let's respond together. One more piece of the jigsaw to help make sense of what we'll be saying together uh, this afternoon. We've been thinking about taking our cue from Jesus and looking at these three areas and uh, we must go back in much slower time and reflect on what those things have to say to us both as individuals and as a church. But if I can summarize, it kind of says that we need a, a new balance. Remember the triangle that seems like hours ago now, but just uh, less than. We need a different strategy, one that's more relational than the one that we have at the moment. Uh, and we need to create a different environment, one that's more challenging as well as supportive than the one at the moment. But the big question, of course, is how to do that. And just as a lead into that, and a lead into what I want to say um, this afternoon, I want us to think about... Um, the fact that there are different types of gatherings and in fact we might argue that something is missing in the types of gatherings that, that we have. So if you're into history you might be interested, if you're not into history then I'll click my fingers like Paul McKenna and you can wake up in a minute. There, there, have, been, there have been three sizes of gatherings historically. There's been the cell size, there's been the kind of community size, and there's been the celebration size. So let's say, for argument's sake, that's about 12 people. And this is up to 72 people. No prizes for guessing why that might be. Uh, and this is beyond 72 in size, going as big as, as whatever. And we've always known historically that different size groups are good for different things. That this, this size group is best suited for discipleship. And this best suited for mission and ministry. 
And this size, size is best suited for vision, unity, momentum, and so on. In the early beginnings, you may remember that God called Abraham, so way back, And God gave Abraham a promise that started with his family, his nuclear family, that was then to go out and affect the clan that would eventually affect the tribes that became the nation of Israel. When all of what God was doing with the people of Israel settled down, they ended up in the Old Testament with the family the synagogue in the local community and the temple predominantly in Jerusalem. When Jesus came along, he kept all of this going in so many ways. He gathered 12 that became the 72 and he reached out to the crowds. And when the New Testament got going... They had cells and family. They had oikos. Heard that word before? Okay, and we'll come back to that. So they had household groupings, and we'll talk a bit more about that, looking at some scriptures in a moment. Uh, And they still went, of course, to the temple. And the church modeled this pattern. We did family for discipleship. We had a local parish church. And we had the cathedral. So far, so good? Over time, there was an evolution that we might say, human nature being what it is, that was inevitable. People who were in the parish would go to the cathedral and be wowed by it. At the cathedral, they had big music, big musicians, not necessarily the musicians themselves, big music, big, uh, the, the, the leader at the front was a professional. They had processions and robes and there were lots of people and it was a, a great razzmatazz. So people in the parish went to the cathedral and said, why can't we do a bit more of that back in our parish? So over an extended period of time, the parish began to resemble more and more the cathedral. Now don't be too hard on those folks, because we've all done the same. We go off to spring harvest and go, they've got a big screen, we can have one of those. They have a band leading the worship, we'll have one of those. They have three-hour services. We'll have... No, no, joking. Okay, so so you see, we, we mimic the big event and, and want to pull it back to our community level. So now... This is what we call church, and everyone is following the cathedral, the temple, the celebration model. In Ipswich this morning, it won't matter what size group of church meets, they'll follow that celebratory model, won't they? There'll be a single person at the front who'll lead them, there'll be music and so on. They will do the same thing that we might do with 250 people, and the same thing Spring Harvest will do with 3,000 people, or whatever. So the parish has become the church. Then about a hundred years ago, everyone went, my golly, the family's useless at creating disciples of their children. We better do that in church. So we created Sunday school. And Burlington responded brilliantly to the whole Sunday school movement. 
uh, in all kinds of ways, if you look at the history of this church. And then about 30 years ago, he said, oh my goodness, we're, not, we're over here, but we're not doing anything here. We better do something that helps us with our discipleship. We better do something that's more like cell. So we came up with a new idea, which was home groups. Remember those? That's where Burlington is now. And that's where lots of churches are. Big celebration and a cell model. I mean, you need both, don't get me wrong. These are absolutely fundamentally important to the kind of life that God's calling us to. The trouble is, this is missing. And this is where mission and ministry happens. And maybe a little worse than that, or challenging than that, this is what the Bible talks about most of the time the Bible talks about church. Can we have the screen back on, please, guys? So we've got these three different sizes of groupings. And we can summarize it like this. We've lost the community-style group. Even when our numbers are small enough, we still behave like a celebration. In Wales, when there are lots of very small churches, I've preached in churches with just two or three people, and we've behaved as if the church was full. We stood for the hymns and we sat and we've preached and we've all, all the rest of it. And we've all been part of environments like that. And that's what we do. That's what we know. The community star group was the key group for Jesus because he used it to develop uh, the 12 into the 72. But my final point is this. Community star group is what the Bible calls church in the majority of cases. So grab a Bible, well, or, or, or maybe if you want to look at this very quickly. Just as we're coming into land, and we, we are coming into land. Go back with me in your minds to Luke chapter 10 and verse 5. Go to your what? To your oikos. To your oikos. Your immediate social network. And seek out a person of peace. Build church within that existing set of relationships. Don't find a person of peace, find someone who gives you a welcome, take them out and bring them back to your community. No, you go to that community, that set of relationships, and you stay there. Not surprisingly, when Luke, who wrote the Gospel, then went on to write Acts, he used this strategy, or he illustrated the fact that this strategy, rather, was being used in the way he talked about the conversions that, take, that took place. So in chapter 16, for example, of Acts, we hear about Lydia, who was the person of peace, who expressed an interest, who offered a welcome, and her whole household came to faith, her oikos, a whole social network of relationships. Or in chapter 11, when Peter goes to preach to Cornelius, he gathers his oikos together, and they hear Peter preach, and the whole oikos comes to faith. In uh, the Gospels, when Legion was delivered of all those demons, he wanted to travel with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, go back to your household, to your oikos, go back to your sets of relationships and tell them everything God has done for you. So there was this incredible emphasis on penetrating existing social networks. 
And we see that the churches were built and run around these networks. Romans chapter 16, the end of the book of Romans, there's a summary about the life of the Roman church, and there are at least five distinct oikoses, five distinct community networks within the whole church. And you can read them there. The verse from Philippians talks about the whole Philippian church sending greetings and especially Caesar's household, Caesar's oikos. In other words, in the wider group of the Philippian church, there were these networks, these oikoses, these community groupings at work. The verses from Ephesians and 1 Corinthians talk about how worship took place in churches. It wouldn't make sense for what's described in those worship scenarios to be for a cell, because they were too small. It doesn't make much sense for them to be a celebratory model either. The type of numbers of people coming together is much more likely to be that middle grouping. So there's been something missing in the rhythm, the heartbeat of our life. And maybe that begins to help us explain why we haven't been able to penetrate with the gospel as much as we long for and as we hope for. So we need, we need to fill the gap with something that takes seriously Jesus' model for mission. That's all the stuff about taking our cue from Jesus and take seriously the predominant biblical expression of church, which is this space here. And we found ourselves too much over here. You don't, you need this. You need this. You need the temple. Absolutely. But maybe not at the expense of that. The question is what? And after lunch, that's what we'll talk about.